as I've briefly touched on, it really drives around perception of effort. So that's a key limiter when it comes to sort of the effect of mental fatigue on performance because, you know, I gave the sort of treadmill example, but that's the limiter. The science has shown it's not physiological mechanisms. Mm. It's, it's around sort of perception of effort. So when you think you're a 10, you can't go any higher. Once you, if you are able to reduce that perception of effort, you're able to push harder. Mm-hmm. So really does drive around perception of effort. When mental fatigue is present in you know, a significant way, perception of effort gets higher and you, 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 know, you get stuck. So when we look at sort of on the spot strategies, we're really looking at sort of how we can reduce mental fatigue, reduce perception of effort to better prepare you to, to perform and perform at a higher level. So you know, we're looking at strategies around self-talk. We're looking at strategies around visualization. We're bringing in some novel protocols like subliminal priming where we're flashing positive imagery. We're looking at guided breathing techniques, which can be really interesting depending on so the goal. You can achieve a lot of things. It's sort of this window into our, our controller to our, you know, Xbox controller to our physiology because it's one mm-hmm. of the ways we do have control over sort of our Mm-hmm. heart rate or uh, you know different mechanisms within our body are parasympathetic sympathetic responses and uh, it's it's like a an xbox controller for that kind of thing welcome to the hnl movement podcast where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities sports and life join me in my professional journey as i share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals colleagues clients and you with one goal in mind how to optimize human performance this is the right place to learn how a multi-dimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire welcome back everyone to the hnl movement podcast for all of my new listeners thank you for tuning in you're in the right place to hear about everything that deals with optimizing human performance All of my returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in as well. I appreciate all of the continued support. And for everyone, if you haven't heard some of the previous library of episodes, there have been some excellent guest interviews sharing a lot of perspectives that will help us along our journeys and also a lot of solo topics that I cover that deal with specific information that deal with injury prevention, rehabilitation, strength and conditioning and performance training tools, as well as sports nutrition topics as well. Along with those previous library of episodes, check out my YouTube channel. I've been putting up video highlight clips of the podcast, guest interviews. A short clip goes up daily, so you'll find a lot of value in that. I'm also putting up a lot of other informational, educational content on my YouTube channel. So check out all of that. Be sure to like the videos, share them with family, friends, teammates, everyone that will find some value in this content, and also subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. All this content that I'm creating, it's all to help you along your journey. So if you're finding some helpful information, listening to the podcast, finding some helpful content on my social media platforms or on my YouTube channel, be sure to repost it. I would love to interact with some of you, get some feedback, and also provide a lot of value along your journey to achieve those goals. Let's dive into today's episode, and it is with Ed Gibbons, one of the co-founders and chief product officer at Rewire Fitness. It's a really, really innovative and important and useful tool that will provide a lot of value to getting athletes not only physically ready, but also getting them to train the mental capacity, cognitive capacity to make sure that they're ready to perform 
and just be more connected with their mind and body, mental resilience. And we dive into all of these topics today. It was a fascinating and interesting episode. I really enjoyed talking to Ed and talking about all of the things that they've developed to help you to train that mental and cognitive aspect that will help you perform better. Without getting into all the details, we'll hear it straight from Ed, but listen into this. Be sure to stay to the end. Listen into how you can create a free account with Rewire Fitness and try some of these tools and see how much benefit they can provide for you. Without saying anything more, let's jump into this episode and enjoy this one. Welcome back everyone to the H&L Movement Podcast. Today is going to be a fascinating topic for really what my whole podcast is about, human performance. So we have Ed Gibbons joining us on the podcast today, and he's the co-founder and chief product officer at Rewire Fitness, and he's going to share a wealth of knowledge, so you want to stay tuned for this one for sure, but thanks so much for joining me today, Ed. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It's great to be here. Yeah, so let's dive into it. Let's Before we get into the Rewire Fitness aspect, how you guys developed that, Give us just a brief overview, and then we'll touch on all of that, the details later, but give us a brief overview as to what Rewire Fitness actually is. Absolutely. Uh, Rewire Fitness is a mental fitness platform that helps athletes reach their full potential whilst avoiding burnout. And we do that through providing solutions for improving readiness, recovery, and resilience. Mm-hmm. So a typical day in the life of a Rewire user would be a 90-second readiness assessment as part of their morning routine, where we understand their level of cognitive, emotional, and physical fatigue. We're then going to follow up throughout the whole 24 hours to support them. So if we isolate, they need specific support around cognitive fatigue, uh, we're going to provide short recovery sessions to support that throughout the day. We've also got a resilience training solution that um, allows an athlete to train their tolerance to mental fatigue and really push their resilience over time. So that's our neuro training system. Yes, there's so many things that we're going to dive into today, but it's such a different different tool, I guess, in the toolbox, right? Because human performance is way more than just physical you know, adaptation and recovery. It's all of these other things like mental, emotional, all of these things that come together to make sure that we're ready to take on whatever we're encountering throughout the day. So before we get into all of that, I do want to go over your story, kind of all of the things that in your life has led up to building this company, Rewire Fitness, right? Let's start with you growing up. Like, were you always interested in these kinds of things or how did this, this interest kind of formulate throughout your childhood, maybe high school and college? Yeah, absolutely. I've always always had a passion for sports uh, and sports science. Grew up a rugby player. Uh, if you can tell by my accent, I'm from England. Um, and yeah, grew up a rugby player in England. Love sports, love watching sports, love playing sports, love competing, love that training, you know, loved every aspect of it. And yeah, I got super interested in sport and exercise science too. So when I was 13, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and that sort of began my journey of performance optimization. So it starts with blood sugars, then gets to sort of training, nutrition, recovery, mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately mindset. Uh, well, it got to mindset and plenty of other aspects beyond that, but mindset that really brings us here. Yeah. When I, uh, I uh, developed a real passion and love for performance optimization and sports science, I was lucky enough to, to get to study that at Loughborough University. And, and that's around the time I, I met uh, some of my fellow co-founders and we got building this thing. Got it. Let's dive into a little bit more because a lot of my listeners and even for myself, I'm not too familiar with rugby, right? So at mm-hmm. what age did you typically start playing rugby and what's the training demands of rugby like when you're growing up? Yeah, it definitely, um, it changes a lot. Um, 
you know, I started, let's say around age 10 or so. And, you know, a lot of skill stuff and at that age, particularly, and then, you know, it starts to get more and more physical as you get older and older. So tackles get rougher, (laughs) scrums get more brutal. Um, It's a real physical game um, and very demanding across the board as well, because you'll go from, you'll make a tackle, (laughs) which takes a lot of energy, strength, Uh like power, Mm -hmm. uh, takes a lot out of you. It's very, like, you know, it's uh, this intense movement and then you'll be sprinting across halfway across the pitch to (laughs) to cover off someone else. Or, you know, you'll be uh, trying to balance skills at that sort of high Mm -hmm. mental demand as well when you're already fatigued. So really does take a lot out of you. (laughs) And I'll be training sort of six times a week, come out of, games and training sessions just shattered very sore cuts up and down your legs from where you've sort of had had boots start to stick into your leg and scratched you up and down really does take a lot out of you and you're you know unlike football american football you know it's there's there's not regular stops in the game mm-hmm. so, so you're going for a long period of time and there's this real balance in you know between high intensity moments but also you know, sustaining that over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so very interesting demands on the body and fairly unique as well, I'd say. Yes. And speak a little bit on, on so is this more like club rugby or is rugby like a high school sport or what's the, do you have seasons or is it kind of like you were playing rugby relatively year round? Yes. Yeah, so you typically play between September up to right around um, the season ended a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, just before summer really. And then you have about a three month, four month off season, depending on how well you do. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, yeah, it's um, so t- season based really. And um, there's club levels, there's professional clubs, there's international clubs, there's youth levels as well. Slightly different system to sort of US sports, but sort of same concept in terms of youth structure leading to an international structure Mm -hmm. got Um, it and i'm assuming you played rugby all throughout high school yeah all throughout high school and beyond um loved it a lot uh (laughs) it's uh yeah great sport got a lot of love for it very social sport as well (laughs) yes definitely i know rugby is not as big in the u.s but um you know there's a lot of even on the where I'm from in Hawaii on the island, there's rugby teams, you know, so it is, it is a sport that is around. It's just not as popular, but let's dive into a little bit. So it's interesting. And I'm, I'm sure this taught you a lot, not only being in tune with your body, but also how you had to train and recover was you mentioned that you were diagnosed at 13 with type one diabetes, and you were still a very high intensity high level athlete, right. With all the demands of rugby training, right. Which you said spans like nine months out of the year. So talk a little bit about that, like for any athletes that, you know, may have type one diabetes or, you know, just athletes in general of how to actually manage recovery, balance out training demands, all of the other things that you mentioned too, like mental readiness, emotional, cognitive, how did that kind of, I guess, teach you along the way, how to actually be smart about training well, performing well, and all of that in rugby. Yeah, so firstly, sport and fitness and training is is one of the best things for good management of diabetes. So it really does help you 
give you much better blood sugar management. Mm-hmm. Um, it does throw some challenges in the works too, like prepping for games as well, making sure you're in the right state to perform. Mm-hmm. All these different aspects that pose a challenge, but definitely workable. Um, mm-hmm. One really interesting aspect is sort of how that ties into level of stress, you mm-hmm. know, how much adrenaline is pumping as well, mm-hmm. all the different hormones that interact with our blood sugar and sort of keeping calm and, and keeping those um those drivers at, at bay uh, it's pretty pretty crucial for sort of good management as well mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to sort of getting in the best state to perform so a lot of a lot of sort of adapting around that as i was preparing for games and for training and uh, a lot of monitoring within the games as well mm-hmm. some things you can control some things you just don't have the time in that period to control because mm-hmm. you know if you if you too high it's going to take some time to bring that down the engine takes some time to work so there's definitely controllables and there's definitely uncontrollables too so mm-hmm. selecting the things you can control is pretty key there as well and when you think about it so you know you were already playing rugby for a few years and then now you had to really pay attention to blood sugar levels kind of how you're training did that spark further interest into anything related to performance like exercise science or nutrition um, once you kind of had to be a little bit more aware as to how your body's going to react to things. Definitely. I'd say that that's really what sparks my interest mm-hmm. um, in it all. So yeah, it made me just completely fascinated with how things work. You know, when you're literally controlling a bodily process, mm-hmm. you get super attuned to your body and you get yes. super attuned to your physiology and how things work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, uh, it's really sparked my love for it. And uh in some ways grateful for that but yeah yes and i'm sure it helps you in many ways to this day to just have that perspective and the experience of you know like you said being really attuned to your body and how it's responding to everything now Mm. as you're training for rugby give us a little picture as to like where was there a lot of strength and conditioning that came into play or outside of training outside of practice or what's that kind of culture and what were you around a lot in regards to training for rugby? Yeah, definitely. Um, shrinking conditioning plays a huge part in it. I had a great strength and conditioning coach at one point, Alex Kiriaku, who really um, drove home a lot of those drivers and you could really feel the benefit coming into play. Like, just spending a little bit of time working on power and you'd, you'd feel it on the pitch. You'd be like, just you complete world of difference, able to like just knock people down as you're running through. And it's just crazy. A little bit of focus on that, how, how big a difference it makes. And mm-hmm. um, also looking at variation, you know, keeping things fun, <laughs> keeping different stimuli across body. We'd always be trying new stuff out which was just awesome and and really allowed me to indulge my love of sports science as well. Yes. And you mentioned that you played beyond high school. Did you play in college or is there like professional rugby that you've... Yeah, I played at college as well. Um, Got it. Yeah, done some for fun, done some little bit of amateur clubs as well, just okay. for fun. Um, and yeah, uh, just having fun with it now. It's a yes. great sort of... So it's a great bit of fun, a great outlet for me and uh, really enjoy it, really enjoy the social side, really enjoy the game, really enjoy the training and everything that comes with it. So, yeah. <laughs> got it. And you got to excuse me a little bit because I'm probably not going to really know the depths of this, but just share what position did you play? Because I know there's positions and just to give an idea, you might have to be a little bit more 
explain this a little bit more to me, but like, what is that equivalent to maybe like football, you know? So what position did you play in rugby? Yeah, I played uh, back row, which is, okay. uh, I played flanker particularly, uh, right until I got to college. And then I was I'm about 5'8". So um, I got there on trials day, 5'8". I said, you know, back rows over here, <laughs> front rows over here. I saw everyone who went to the back row pile was about six foot four, <laughs> six foot four plus. So I was like, yeah, that's that's not me. <laughs> so I dropped into the hooker pile, which is basically front row and okay. um, can in quite a similar way in some capacity to a back row if you play it right, um, you know, outside of the scrum. And yeah, had uh, a lot of fun with that. It's basically in the scrum, which is okay. you know, quite famous, uh, that kind mm-hmm. of motion. You're right, you're right in the middle of that. So okay. uh, pretty intense, but good fun. <laughs> Got it. And we won't go too much into it, but rugby, it's a very, you know, collision sport. There's different types of injuries in football because you don't have equipment that you have to deal with. So sometimes that's a blessing in disguise because obviously without a helmet or equipment like that, you're not going to be hitting the same way or have the same tackling techniques and all of that. But just briefly, like, how was your career? Were you relatively injury-free or did you sustain some significant injuries along your along your journey? Yeah, touch wood, I was uh, pretty good. A few niggles here and there. Suffered with, like, some, you know, challenges with knees and shin sprints and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite funny. It was... Uh, <laughs> You'd be with the rugby team and pretty much half of you would have a, a black eye. You'd all be covered in scratches and cuts and you'd be walking around like you'd been in a fight. So um, it's pretty rough. Yes. So let's transition into now, you know, rugby obviously was a big part of your childhood growing up all the way through college. And let's talk a little bit about when you were in college, what was your area of study, your major, and kind of how did that exercise science role develop through the collegiate years? Mm, yeah, so is sport and exercise science really allowed me to indulge my love for that. Um, a lot of lab time, a lot of practical time, a lot of time just diving into research as well. So yeah, really uh, exciting place. And I was doing it at the home of UK sport, Loughborough. Okay which is just uh, an awesome spot because it's got all the Olympians training there. You've got all the rugby teams, the football teams, the cricket teams, uh, sort of an international Olympic levels training there. So great environment for that kind of thing. It's really home of, home of UK sport, as I put it. <laughs> what were some of your early areas of interest um, in exercise science or sports performance? What were you really attracted to through those college years early on? Um, yeah, I think mindset played played a huge role, like, and especially sort of the interaction between mind and body has always been a fascination of mine. Okay. Um, so that's that's one of the key areas. I just, yeah, it's it's absolutely fascinating. Like, you'd be in a you'd be in a lab and not studying something related to it, but you know, you'd have someone on a treadmill, say they're doing sort of VO two max test or or something like that. Mm-hmm. They, and or, or time to exhaustion test for example let's go with that and you'd say you know what level are you at are you at what rpe are you at and they'd be like oh, i'm at 10 
And then, you know, you give them a little bit of motivation, you bring some self-talk in, start chewing them on, you know, all these different things. And suddenly they're going harder. And it's like, well, hold on a sec. You're at a 10. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't go any harder. What's happened here? And that's that's perception of effort coming in. Mm -hmm. That's reducing that perception of effort and ultimately allowing you to push harder. So it's a lot of this ties into a lot of the stuff we do. So, you know, it just relates back to a lot of different sports and you know, uh, sort of um, not sports, sort of aspects of sports science. And you notice it during those kind of practicals that just that link between mind and body. And yet it's really often overlooked. So it's one of those things that you sort of read between the lines to find, but ultimately everyone knows the importance of it. Um, it's yes. just, what are we doing about it? Yes. Let's come back to that topic because we are going to dive in a lot into that mental aspect, mind-body connection. But before we go into that, so all of these experiences, like with every every guest on this podcast, all of our experiences, it kind of comes together to lead the path that we eventually go down when we start our professional career or whatever that might be. So talk a little yes. bit about how did this all formulate into creating rewire fitness um you mentioned that you met your co-founder in college i believe but how did all of this no, come not to- in college whilst, but whilst i was there um, oh i got it but yes got it so mention how all of this kind of came together and what was the road from after college to creating this company and kind of the obstacles or the things that you really were trying to emphasize and bring to the athlete or the consumer to help their performance yeah, so when I when I met Son and Cody, they had just started developing a mental resilience training system. So using a brain endurance training protocol, built some hardware around it, or designed some prototypes, some hardware around it, and really focused on you know building this mental resilience training system, which follows some super interesting science around sort of how we can train train uh, the anterior cingulate cortex for performance. And you know it's uh, built really on this original 2009 landmark study by Markura, which highlighted the impact of mental fatigue on performance, which is very detrimental. It has a hugely detrimental effect to our performance. We all know this, you know, if you finish a hard bit work, your workout's going to feel a lot harder than if you just, you know, it's the first thing you've done in a day. And the science backs that up too. Um, and it's because mental fatigue is having an effect on our perception of effort, which ultimately is the limiter to performance. So yes, they started building this sort of system around that. And uh, that was around the time I met them and joined the team. And we, we started uh, rounding it out into a really holistic system that spanned not only across training, but also looking at the recovery aspect and the monitoring aspect so that we can provide this really integrated system. Because then you've got something that monitors where you're at and knows the context behind what's the best thing in that moment. You've got something that helps you on the spot because mental fatigue is ultimately always going to be there. It's just about, and and we need some on-the-spot strategies as well as a long-term training tool, which is our neurotraining system. So kind of this three-pronged approach, which really spans all different aspects of of fatigue got it no that's really interesting so how long so you mentioned you joined their team and then you guys were working on this give us a timeline like around when was this and then how many years did it take you guys to kind of build it up to the start of rewire fitness yeah we were working on it for around three years before we launched the product and uh, uh launched it in September of last year, had some really, really great feedback so far. Users seem to be loving it. 
really, really positive so far. Some really exciting metrics coming out of it. And we just, we just can't wait to bring it to more and more people because there's ultimately a hole for this. There's a huge problem around sort of mental wellness. Mm-hmm. Uh, highlighted over the last couple of years particularly and and we want to build solutions around that let's dive into that okay that mental resilience or mental mind-body connection a little bit more so give us in a big picture i guess give us some of the big things that you're looking at or what the research says to kind of improve you know that resilience improve that mental recovery of people so that they're more equipped to take on all of the physical demands that they need to do in performance and sports and all of that. Right. Exactly. So as I've briefly touched on, it really drives around perception of effort. So that's the key limiter when it comes to sort of the effect of mental fatigue on performance, because, you know, I gave the sort of treadmill example, but that's the limiter. The science has shown it's not physiological mechanisms. Mm. It's, it's around sort of perception of effort. So when you think you're a 10, you can't go any higher. Once you, if you are able to reduce that perception of effort, you're able to push harder. Mm-hmm. So, really, does drive around perception of effort. When mental fatigue is present in you know a significant way, perception of effort gets higher, and you 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 know you get stuck. So, when we look at sort of on the spot strategies, we're really looking at sort of how we can reduce mental fatigue, reduce perception of effort to better prepare you to to perform and perform at a higher level. So. You know, we're looking at strategies around self-talk. We're looking at strategies around visualization. We're bringing in some novel protocols like subliminal priming where we're flashing positive imagery. We're looking at guided breathing techniques, which can be really interesting depending on so the goal. You can achieve a lot of things. It's sort of this window into our or controller to our, you know, Xbox controller to our physiology because it's one of the ways we do have control over sort of our Mm-hmm. heart rate or uh, you know different mechanisms within our body are parasympathetic sympathetic responses and uh it's it's like a an xbox controller for that kind of thing mm-hmm. and also some really interesting techniques like binaural beats which have been shown to reduce on the spot fatigue mental fatigue mm-hmm. and uh, we can select different frequencies based on goals to so be a physical performance be a recovery be it you know uh, physical recovery cognitive recovery spans a lot of different aspects there got it that's really interesting. I'm sure that, you know, individuals vary a little bit with some of the responses. And I would guess that the more that you practice these strategies, the more effective they become or the quicker that they kind of turn your mental fatigue or mental state around. But can you briefly explain like for someone like the average person, maybe when you use some of the strategies that are effective for you, how quickly are we turning around some of this mental fatigue or recovering mentally so that we can actually perceive less exertion and actually feel like, yeah, we're, we're more equipped to take on physical demands. You know, our body physiologically can push harder. Like give us a time frame when you say on the spot strategies and like, what's the typical response that you would expect to see? Yeah. So some of our sessions are like in the sort of five minute range mm. and still have a really significant effect. So People dropping their stress by 70%, a 30% more ready for performance, a 30% more focus. Really exciting stats from that kind of thing. So we can do some really short ones. Um, binaural beats as well. Sometimes we want to introduce a longer session. So we've got sort of like half an hour sessions as well around there. But yeah, most of our sessions are sort of in the two to four minute, five minute, five uh, time range. And it's really amazing what you can achieve in that period. <laughs> yeah. Um, so really fascinating. Uh, so first of all, on a squat system, 
And then our, our sort of long-term neurotraining protocol is is long-term. It takes, can it's uh, like training, like you're going to notice the effect after weeks and, uh, and months of, of training, but ultimately it has a huge effect. Um, so we did a 12-week study with amateur cyclists and those that were using brain endurance training increased their time to exhaustion by 126%. And those that weren't in preset performance uh, increased their time to exhaustion by 42%. So we're talking about like a 3x improvement on performance yeah. when doing the same kind of physical training, but mm-hmm. just adding in a little bit of mental stimuli as well. And it's uh, pretty incredible what you can achieve there. Yes, it's remarkable. And there's so many different ways we can branch off of this. But before I forget this question, I what this kind of reminds me of is I think you guys take some of the strategies or intervention strategies research from, I believe, NASA, maybe Navy SEALs and, you know, some of the high performance types of professions, right? Is that correct? Was it from NASA and? Yeah, yes. It's, um, it's really interesting because a lot of these protocols have been used by sort of elite professionals and mm-hmm. performers uh, over the last sort of 20 years in some capacity, but our aim is really to bring it to consumer level. So yes. box breathing has been used famously by the Navy SEALs. Mm-hmm. We're using some emotional questionnaires done by NASA or used by NASA. We're using binaural beats, which is, you know, people used to have on CDs mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> bring that into a really accessible form for people. So yeah, really exciting way of just improving accessibility around these techniques and protocols and also providing some context around it in terms of what the solution, right solution is. Yes, there's a lot of great things that you, you guys are doing and bringing it to the consumer level. And speaking back on, I think a while ago, many, many years ago, I read some kind of quote from a Navy SEALs, might've been out of a book or something like that. But Navy SEALs, it's just, they believe too that you know your mental resilience or mental state, that's going to kind of dictate how much more you can push physically. Right. And that's exactly what you're seeing. This huge, like you said, it's a huge piece of the puzzle, but it's a very easy thing, I guess, to incorporate because oftentimes when we think about physical adaptations, we're just thinking about like mechanics and physiology. We're not really thinking about the command center, the control center, your central nervous system, all of the emotional state, mental state that can be a big factor into like even just pushing a little bit more each workout and over time that could lead to tremendous more improvements that we're not tapping into just because of our mental state or we're not taking care of that mental recovery so there's so many fascinating things here that you're sharing touch a little bit on so how do you guys format this to I guess, make it beneficial for the consumer, but also the questionnaires and things like that, from my understanding is what's individualizing, what strategies will work best or kind of what state they're in to determine what training interventions you need to do. So explain a little bit about that, whatever you're willing to share about how that's packaged, what the app experience is like, and you know all of those factors that you guys have researched for years. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I'm reading this assessment, which is really what provides the the context for our tools, mm-hmm. is uh, is made up of a night is a a short. Uh, the whole assessment's around ninety seconds long. Okay. It's made up of a short cognitive reaction time task. It's a great way for us to understand your level of cognitive fatigue, like a little game, pretty much. You're reacting to these uh, blue polygons, and uh, as soon as they flash up, and we're tracking train reaction time, lapses, and misses. 
we are also bringing in your resting physiology from connected devices like uh, Aura Ring, Apple mm-hmm. Health, uh, Bluetooth heart rate monitors, Google Fit, so all these different sources that you can bring in uh, data from. And that really informs the sort of level of physical fatigue you're under mm-hmm. um, alongside a few little questionnaires around muscle soreness and training load. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're asking some emotional questions like how stressed you're feeling, how frustrated you're feeling, how ready you are, how, sorry, how ready you feel, how, mm-hmm. how rested you feel. And these subjective questions are all normalized to you as an individual. And that really allows us to, to understand where you are. So we don't compare it to sort of population-based scales. We're comparing it to you. And that gives us a really individual approach. And then after that questionnaire, what's the experience like? Like, will it recommend what they need to do for the day? Or is this more of a long-term kind of plan? Like we're going to track you over a month and then kind of see how you're doing after the month or what's the strategy for the app to provide some solutions? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're providing solutions around your whole 24 hours then. So straight away you're asked to quit. So you're given a readiness score and that's also broken down by cognitive, emotional and physical readiness. And then you're asked, uh, there's a prepare for your day button and you're asked, what's your primary goal for today? And that might be performance. It might be productivity. It might be rest and recovery. And what we're going to do then is we're going to select the most ideal session for you and your goal in that moment. So if it's, you know, if it's uh, your goal is physical performance and you're under a lot of physical fatigue or you're, you know, you're under some emotional fatigue, some fatigue, depending on the situation, we're going to judge different things. So we might involve some step up breathing. We might involve some self-talk and really fine tune those wording. Uh, we might involve some visualization strategy. We might involve a 13 hertz binaural beat. We might involve some fundamental priming. So all these different protocols that we can bring together into a short session. And that ultimately has a huge effect on sort of how you're performing that day. Got it. Um, no, that's really interesting. And I, I would assume, you know, a lot of this, these strategies, it would be most effective to do before, you know, you have to do the performance tasks or the mental task and all of that. Yeah, another follow-up question is, you know, you've kind of shared all of the different tools and solutions. And that kind of makes me think, you know, there's a lot more value in what you guys are offering, right? I use, you know, a fitness tracker myself. You mentioned the Aura Ring that you use, right? But kind of mention a little bit as to, I guess, what's your take on on what this tool is monitoring, right? And then kind of what you guys add to that piece of the puzzle when it comes to human performance. Yeah, so I'd say... um where they're lacking is sort of in two areas. So one in particular is, you know, we're far bigger than our HRV scores, our sleep scores, our, you know, resting heart rate. We need to take into account the cognitive side of things and the emotional side of things, because ultimately that makes up a huge part of our performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're tracking those physiological measures, but we're also combining that with the emotion and cognitive piece, because ultimately our feelings and, and also our cognitive fatigue have an effect on our performance. The other side of things is providing a solution. Like if you were to wake up today and you're say a 30 or, you know, got a low score, but you've still got to perform that day. Uh, it's kind of this weird juxtaposition because you need, yeah, <laughs> you're in this bad state and yet it's just telling you that. What we want to do is provide solutions. So we want to take that data and use that context to give you an ideal solution to get in a better state and empower you to perform with what you want to achieve that day. So we're taking that context and providing really useful recommendations around it. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that's very true because 
you know, you only can prepare so much, but things happen. And if your readiness score or whatever is like low, then you can't postpone the game. You can't postpone the event. You have to figure out, okay, how am I going to adapt to this? And how am I going to just make myself a little bit more ready to take on whatever the task is? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that is missing is like a, a calendar integration that emails your whole whole meeting list that day. Oh, I can't do it. Like, we've got stuff to do. We've got meetings, we've got games, we've got competitions. And yeah, you know, there's some flexibility around training, but, you know, ultimately we need to perform in something each day. Um, so we really want to empower athletes to be able to, to do that and provide them strategies around that. Yes, that's very true. Do you have any advice or experience with athletes that are in the middle of a task? So let's say it's even not physical. Let's say it's a work task, right? Or they have to prepare for a presentation or test or whatever. Do you have anything that's any experience with doing these interventions like in the middle of the activity? Or for example, if you were at rugby practice and you started feeling like not, you know, mentally well or whatever it is, you started to feel some mental fatigue and you have like a break or even halftime. Is there anything that you would suggest or is there any intervention cases that you guys have seen them do it right in the middle of the task? And then it kind of helped to buffer preventing loss of performance or more mental fatigue? Yeah, it's um, it's fascinating. I mean, it comes down to convenience quite a lot of the time as well and what's viable in that moment. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of people use it pre-game. So mm-hmm. talking to a footballer recently, felt terrible, but had it had a big game coming out and needed to perform, which wasn't feeling great and not in the right mindset either. And took one of our short sessions, you know, he's taking into the two or so minutes, What's the name of changing room before a game and and was just able to sort of completely switch around his mindset and he said he had one of the best games of his life. It's a really fascinating stuff there. Uh, in terms of in the middle of a session, there's some really, yeah, really interesting stuff. Like if there's time between breaks, you know, we we're talking to some squash players recently who, you know, in the middle of tournaments potentially use it then to sort of uh, reset between different games and sort of getting a good mindset. You've had a lot of, you know, might've had a frustrating game. You might've feeling, be feeling under a lot of fatigue, all these different factors that you can just take two minutes if you can to reset and ultimately has a much bigger effect on the rest of your, rest of your game, rest of your competition and ultimately your performance. No, that's really fascinating. And there's, you know, a lot more awareness, I think coming out about this type of realm and how we got to make sure that our mental state is supporting everything that we need. Right. Can you briefly talk about how it's, how your app kind of pulls in all of the information from, you know, fitness trackers or ring Apple, iWatch, and kind of how that's driving some of the recommendations with the mental exercises. What is in a nutshell, kind of that cohesive piece, I guess, of the puzzle to see what's happening physiologically and then how that's kind of adjusting some of the interventions for the app and their exercises. Uh, yeah, you're you speaking in sort of terms of on-the-spot recovery protocols or more long-term training protocols? I think both um, because there is, you know, everyone knows intellectually there's definitely a tie, right? But how how do those things kind of, I guess, how do you explain that or envision that those two pieces working with the mental exercises that your app provides. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, really interesting, you know, that's, that's sort of the crux of, of why we introduce a monitoring protocol is 
is that we need to understand where you're at to understand what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And then we can adapt the situation around that. So we're collecting HRV. We're collecting resting heart rate each morning. We get a nice picture of where you're at physically. We also get a really nice picture of where you're at cognitively. So we can understand when is the right time for you to take a cognitive task or neurotraining task and, and uh, ultimately balance that over time. It's similar you know, to training, training your body you ideally want to take on load when you're in a good, well-recovered state. Mm-hmm. So similar concept with, with cognitive training, we want to take on neurotraining when, when we're in a good cognitive state. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at that and that's when we recommend it. We also tie it back quite nicely to your, to your workout too. So once you finish a, um, a Strava workout, if you've connected Strava, and you're in a good state to take it on. We'll connect that up to our either our post-workout recovery system or our post-workout neurotraining system. Mm-hmm. So we take a look at your workout and also your sort of readiness for the day mm-hmm. and understand whether it's right to take on some post-workout neurotraining to add on some mental load to your session okay. or whether it's good to take on some, some mindset recovery and perhaps you know really focus on reducing the mental and physical fatigue you've built up. So different aspects there. We can also, you know, we've got some really interesting technology that we'll be releasing later this year around combining neurotraining with your physical training. So we can literally track both those aspects at once and get some really fascinating insights and data from that. So, you know, we're tracking your power output. We're tracking your heart rate whilst Mm -hmm. you're on the bike, but also whilst you're doing neurotraining at the same time. Mm -hmm. And ultimately we're challenging both systems at once cognitive and physical systems and um we also got data from the cognitive task as well so we can really tie together your performance in that with your performance in the physical side of things we built a really interesting proprietary metric called perception gap and that's the gap between your expected rpe based on performance metrics mm-hmm. like average power uh heart rate mm-hmm. Uh, load different aspects like that which really allow us to judge your expected rp mm-hmm. and then we combine that with your actual rp and the gap mm-hmm. between the two uh is is fascinating because it's it's kind of like yeah the gap in perception between how hard you worked and you felt like you worked and how hard you actually worked mm-hmm. and that gives us a really nice measure of mental resilience so very excited to bring that out later this year wow yes there's a lot of questions that I have, so we'll take it one at a time. So let's dive into a little bit about mental re- resilience, especially with athletes. I think people that are yeah. physically active dive in into some of the key points that any athlete listening to this, they'll be like, okay, this is something that you know, I need to look into further or maybe find it in your app. Like, What is it about mental resilience that can either predict performance or you know, just in the long term? help you to train harder, train smarter, and just ultimately be better at your sport, right? What are some of the key facets of mental resilience to touch on with athletes? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a huge, huge part of the sport. We often ask people sort of what percent of performance do you, do you attribute to mind? And it's typically somewhere between 50 and 95%. And it's, it's, it's really subjective, but it plays a huge role. And the, the follow-up to that, which is kind of this wise guy question is, okay, it's it's worth 95% of your performance. What are you doing to train it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it met with this awkward silence because typically the answer is none. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no time. 
So yeah, you know, some of the key drivers are really factors around mental resilience. Again, come come down to sort of perception of effort. That's the real key component. Mm-hmm. Then from there, it's looking at sort of the what people have done throughout their childhood to sort of train their resilience, mm-hmm. what people have done doing their day-to-day lives, whether people are shying away from additional load or adding it in, uh, whether people are adding it in a smart way too, because, you know, we look at a lot of the mental toughness training that's out there and it's really focused on beating your body up to train the mind. Um, <laughs> and like, is that the right approach? Um, <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so what we really try to do is take a scalpel-like approach. Okay. Um, is focus on training the mind rather than just beating up your body. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, no, that does a lot. And I guess the follow-up question that I have is because, you know, resilience is something that we think it's a lot of our past experiences. Even you said like learning through childhood experiences and all of that. How much can we learn resilience or how much is it something that's just the way that we grew up, you know, kind of like how we were nurtured. How much do you think, I guess, those two balance each other out? And I, I guess, you know, with your app and the exercises, there is a good chance that we're going to be able to train and improve it, right? But is there some type of like cap based off of our experiences, personality, you know, all of those types of things? How do you kind of explain that to someone that is wondering how much can we train mental resilience? Yeah, I think, you know, it's uh, definitely a factor of nurture rather than nature. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that we train. I think it's something that we can build over time and ultimately have control over. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at some of the, the most resilient people I know, and they're people that struggled a lot with mental health growing up, struggled yeah. with a lot of challenges around that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they've trained themselves and built up a level of resilience and yeah. and uh, very strong around that now. So super interesting kind of you know similar concept to sports like you don't just you're not just born mm-hmm. right at a sport you need to train yeah and the more you train the more you put yourself through those uncomfortable positions those challenging positions the better you're gonna you're gonna better you're gonna be at it um mm-hmm. so super interesting there yes a lot of interesting things and that mental resilience aspect is something that i would agree like many athletes outside of our sport right you go through a lot of of this type of natural mental resilience training in your sports practices games obstacles adversity but outside of that i would say rarely anyone trains like just specific mental exercises to kind of build and develop this resilience right the other question that i had is like when you talk about mental recovery kind of adequate stress levels cognitive load right explain a little bit as to a lot of that is not like physical recovery where we just kind of get good rest, we get good sleep, and then we kind of return to baseline, right? When you talk about like just stress levels, mental levels, just sleeping it off, that's not necessarily going to ease anything, right? You wake up, you're in the same situation the next day, you have the same amount of mental stress, you have the same amount of cognitive stress, right? So explain how that differs from physical recovery. Like what do we need to do actively with tools like what you've created, what do we need to do actively to kind of recover mentally and cognitively to get back to a baseline level where we can actually perform? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, to your first point, as, as you started that question, yeah, people people 
haven't trained as much before. And part of that is there hasn't been a solution for this before. You know, we're mm-hmm. bringing this really scalpel like approach. Science has been around for a while now. We've been able to bring it and build a user experience around it, which we're super excited about. So, so yeah, definitely strategies um, around our app really tie into mental recovery, mindset recovery, uh, bringing in box breathing, bringing in different types of breathing protocols, pandora beats, self-talks, mineral priming. You know, all these strategies can really help. We've built sessions around that as well. So you go in our app and you tap through some of our recovery sessions. They're really focused on reducing that. Some of the other tactics outside our app I love, one is just having fun with training. So sometimes, especially when you build up a lot of, been training a lot, maybe you've built up to a competition, mm-hmm. you've done that competition, regardless of whatever way it goes, you've ultimately built a lot of strain, both mental and physical strain around that. Some of the best stuff you can do in that moment after is just have fun. Mm-hmm. Go out and play, uh, you know, take take time off your training routine, go out and play football with your friends mm-hmm. just just have fun kind of sport i've been last few weeks here have been uh super stressful with work um i've just got a group of friends here and we're going climbing pretty much every day after work uh-huh. <laughs> and it's not like that's that's like in my training plan but just super fun takes your mind off things mm-hmm. adds in this this variation this fun stimuli around things as well so yeah just having fun with things is a great way to do it that's definitely true. And I, I know some of these exercises will be very effective in kind of flipping that mindset to look more at the positives, maybe find more enjoyment out of these things, right? And return you back to baseline. For any athletes listening that this might be a new concept to them, right? Maybe they don't have the tools to recover mentally and cognitively. But what would you say would be a good quick way to assess if you're under extreme mental fatigue or cognitive fatigue, like what kinds of questions can they ask themselves? What kinds of things can they kind of evaluate and be introspective on with how things are going throughout the day? Like, do you have any key things outside of your app that will make athletes realize maybe I am under a lot of mental and cognitive fatigue? Yeah, uh, for sure. Checking in with yourself is super valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, asking yourself how frustrated you feel, how stressed mm-hmm. you feel, sort of just checking in with yourself once a day is super powerful. Mm-hmm. I think another thing is just recognizing sort of that feeling of, of a fog, a brain fog, like mm-hmm. a clouded mind and, and maybe struggling to focus as well. Mm-hmm. All these different signs are sort of cues that perhaps you're struggling with some significant cognitive or emotional fatigue. I think one of the best just quick strategies you can do around that is just, you know, taking note of that day-to-day, maybe writing a little diary note or something like that. Mm-hmm. can also be really helpful to, as a way to sort of manage that emotional fatigue, is to express some gratitude for, you know, things that mm-hmm. are going well. Write down the, yeah, write down the things you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to do that sort of once a day, once a week, mm-hmm. just checking in with yourself is just super powerful. Yeah. These are all great things and, you know, people should really, start to put some of this into practice, right? Because Mm. a lot of, again, that mindset, and I'm going to tie this back into some of my experiences, especially going through like 
rehabilitation after surgery. That mental mm. mindset, cognitive load, there's going to be a lot of negativity or frustration somewhere along that recovery phase. So this is something that, you know, I work with athletes a lot, maybe not even realizing what strategies I'm using, but mm. that cognitive load that you're under, that's going to affect how well you can execute movement, physical adaptations and all of that, kind of the whole premise of this episode. So for any athletes out there, I think the bottom line is to, Yes, look at some of the positives, look at some of the things that you're working towards. And then the second part is know that there's tools out there now, like Rewire Fitness, that can really help you in this realm, right? And again, I'm assuming it's all of these things are going to be very individualized and it's going to be very easy for them to use. Let's transition into kind of what the app experience is like, what the user experience is like. I know you said that they have the assessment and then it gives them some strategies, but Give us an idea of what the user interface is like, kind of what it's anything that you can describe to give us a feeling for what it's like to be um, an athlete using mm-hmm. some of the tools and tracking your progress over time. Yeah. So, our, our, you know, you're spot on with the injury point as well. Like we've had three or four people reach out in the last week saying they've they've become injured and uh, using the app has really helped them manage their anxiety and stress and frustration around that. So really, really great to hear that kind of thing. In terms of the user experience, readiness assessment, daily morning practice done as part of a, of a consistent morning routine. So as consistent as you can fit it into your routine is great. Mm-hmm. It's quite an active process. You know, it's a reaction time task. It's followed by some survey questions. We're also passively pulling some data in from, from your sources. Mindset recovery system is, again, quite active but doesn't involve a lot of sort of direct interaction with the app so there are these sessions that you can almost watch and some of those will involve you engaging in guided breathing and some of the protocols are more passive and you can sort of sit back and and sort of enjoy them and uh, yeah sort of has a has an effect in that way as well it also sort of getting you to think about things so getting you to express some gratitude getting you to visualize certain moments getting you to visualize your day successful performances etc in terms of the neurotraining system it's kind of like a game so you're you're playing this game you're interacting with colors um it's challenging it's confusing it fries your brain but that's the point of it it's kind of frustrating (laughs) which makes it a hard sell but it's frustrating in a good way because it's ultimately helping you (laughs) so yeah our athletes using it love it because they're competitive people they (laughs) they're used to that sort of challenge and they like that challenge and it's a different kind of challenge. So I really like it, but it's, it's not easy. Let's put it that way. Yes. And are these more, of course, mobile device, but some of these games, do they play it on iPads or computer laptops or what yeah, do you recommend? Um, yeah. yeah iPhone or, I, or Android or, mm-hmm. you know, phone is uh, ideal, but, whatever you've got uh, if it's got a sort of app store on it you can download the app right away hmm. and uh, sign up and if you want to mention do you want to mention the price and what all of this entails and what how do they sign up and what kind of costs are they anticipating to be a part of rewire fitness yeah so great news as of as of a couple of weeks ago we've released a free version as well so anyone can come sign up uh, engage in some mindset recovery, try out the neurotraining system, try out the readiness assessment, um, and use sort of aspects of the system for free. If you really want to double down and improve your performance, we've also got an elite version. And what that gives you access to is our 24-7 recovery coach, 
uh, recommendation engine, post-workout recovery, our full mindset recovery library, and our full neurotraining library. So there's a plan there for everyone. Yeah, that sounds Check great. Let's talk a little bit about where is the future of this going? So obviously you guys created a lot of things and just released last year, end of last year. So where is the future of this kind of mental cognitive training, helping you to be more mentally ready for sports activities and all of this? Yeah, so we're really excited to release really this year on neuro buttons, which allow someone to, you know, it's a hardware device and allows someone to train their mind whilst they're training your body. So you can literally be on your bike trainer and indoor bike trainer and and be doing a neuro training task whilst you're working out physically. Or you could be on a treadmill or a run, you know, in a safe environment, of course, but mm-hmm. training your mind whilst you're training your body, which is such a unique experience and um I love the experience. It's great. And it really is beneficial to your performance as well. So we're super excited about that. That is exciting. And one thing that I want to, this is my area of interest. Um, my research studies too, in my program is that I'm really interested in how cognitive load affects your motor, motor skills or development. And mm. we know that obviously like sports, right? A lot of the things that you've been practicing and training, it happens under all of the cognitive load conditions, looking where the defender is, tracking the ball, you know, all of these types of things. So just adding that piece into a training, even if it's just going for a run, right? But you have to do some type of cognitive task that usually kind of reinforces and embeds the motor skills that we're trying to do even further. So we become more automatic or don't use as much cognitive resources to carry out that task. So when you say that, that's really interesting because you know, for any athletes out there, maybe you might do it in practice, but you don't really do it in the weight room that you're combining a cognitive task or creating like a dual task environment, cognitive task with a motor task to actually start to perform or train a little better. So is there anything that you want to touch on with that aspect to elaborate a little bit more on the value of training a cognitive task when you're physically training? Yeah, I think um, what I'd compare it to is like that feeling at the end of a you know, end of a game or end of a race where, you know, fatigue has built up and you're cloudy, your mind is clouded, you're yes. starting to make silly mistakes and sort of better preparing yourself to 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 be in those situations is incredibly valuable. Yes, that is huge. So, you know, there's a lot of great gems in this episode. I know you're really busy too, but we'll end it with this. Do you have any last words for athletes, um, just the big message of why they should start to train, you know, this mental and cognitive state and yeah. Any last words for any athletes listening out there? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, ask everyone to consider how important their mind is to performance and whether they're doing enough to train it. And if I was to guess, I'd say for most people, the answer to that would be very important. Mm-hmm. and not enough <laughs> and if that's the case then then please do check us out and please do you know we're in a world of marginal gains and yet the mind is a really untapped component there's a lot of potential there to tap um so really interesting stuff there so yeah, please do check us out and uh we'd be we'd love to talk to you and uh help you out as well Sounds good. And why don't you share your website? I'll put all of this in the show notes too, social media platforms and how to reach you. Yeah, website is rewirefitness.app. The uh, Instagram is rewirefitness. Uh, our app is rewirefitness. <laughs> so yeah, rewirefitness pretty much everywhere. 
And uh, yeah, please do check us out. Got it. And they can download the app and then sign up at least for the free version to kind of see some of the features, right? And that they can do without having to log in or anything like that. We create an account. You can create an account, uh, but it's a free account. So yeah. Got it. Yeah. So everyone go check it out. I mean, there's a lot of great things. I'm really excited to see all of the great things that you guys do in the future. Um, I'm sure that you're getting a lot bigger with many athletes um, of all levels. So this is something that's very important. But overall, I really enjoyed talking about human performance, this mental resilience, mental aspect of it. And yes, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, brilliant to talk to you.